So just grateful to have gotten uh, two different collaborations in the Guinness Book of Records. We did the world's uh, largest drum circle in 2004 with over 4,000 drummers for Guinness. And then world's longest concert for Guinness in 2017 in Chico, which was for a month, for 30 days and nights nonstop for a whole month with people on rotation. Uh, I've got over 100 different instruments and I just wanted to bring the gym band just share a little bit. Yo, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Munch Gang. Today we got a special guest, somebody I've known for a long time, but this is actually my first time meeting him in person and kind of conversating with him, which is crazy because you've been around Reading for a long time, especially in the skate community. Um, he's a very interesting, unique person, and he goes by many names, but the name I know him by is Barno, Barno. Thank you, thank you. And, but your your real name is? Yeah, Mark's my given name. Mark. But that's just on paper. That's on paper. Pretty much, I haven't really gone by Mark too much. Yeah? Yeah, Barney was my nickname growing up. Because I slept with my eyes open for the first year and a half. <clears throat> so I was named after Barney Google, this little cartoon and comic strip in the, from the 1920s and in the Sunday Funnies in the paper for like 50 years. What? Uh, Barney Google and Snuffy Smith. Anyway, yeah, so I'm named after Barney Google with the Google googly eyes. This, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, my eyes open for the first year and a half. How is that so possible? Me, oh, that's another long story. That's yeah, scary. That's another story. That's it for another time, but yeah. Wow. Or maybe we can share a teeny bit of that a little later on. I just want to know when it stopped. Like, how long? <laughs> Did it ever stop? Or are you still there? No, no, no. Like I say, just about, my mom said that your first year and a half, yeah. Oh, okay. So anyway, Barney, and then and then I think it was at Burnside, but I'm really I can't quite pin it down. Um, when somebody just added the O and then it turned from Barney into Barno. Yeah, I think and Barno so sounds like, cool. Barno, yeah, yeah, Barney. You get some flack for that name for sure. Yeah, because Barney's <laughs> like you get mixed within in with that purple dinosaur. That well, day. amongst other things, yeah. Oh. You know, and in the surfing community and other places, yeah, that's just kind of that name's kind of. Is that like Barnacle? Is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, no. We, we don't have to go there either, but yeah. Okay. But Barno in the skate community for sure. And Jermaine more in like the spiritual community. In the yeah, spiritual. Yeah. Yo. So Barno, very interesting. He's been in the skate community. He was one of the announcers for NS3 and maybe even the contest before that. Uh, you got in, invited. I think it was the first time was through Brian Harris. Um I met in at the Weed Park, which opened in 2006, and the first NS3 that I went to was at Anderson Night Contest, 2009, I think it was. Okay. And he's like, you should just come. And I'd already already been underground for so many decades in skating. I was just not really into competing, and I was mm. just kind of laid low. And he's like, oh no, it's fun. We all just skate together in a skate like jam format, and. It's really just a good time, and you know maybe you want to help come announce. You know you got a good voice, or this, that, and the other. He was trying to get me to come. You got the hype. You got the so, hype. So no, it was fun. I mean, after after I got to go, I mean, I'd already been on and played a lot of music, and in the Guinness Book for music, and been on stage a lot and TV, and so I was used to being on the mic. Um, then I started doing like trivia and other stuff, you know, so people could like learn about skating instead of just, you know, name the tricks properly. I think that was the main thing that really bugged me. Um, mm, yeah. <laughs> was like going to, a, going to a contest. He was like, backside air. It's like, dude, I was like, 
backside tailfish, you yeah. know, to tail to revert, you know, or whatever. Anyway, it was just fun calling the tricks properly if I could. And then if I didn't, you know, I'd have some younger guy that knew all the super techie stuff, you know. Oh, it's inward heel flip, blah, blah, you know, the, right. the, more, the more heavy stuff. But um, that was always kind of a thing. I just wanted to have tricks called right. Um, I mean, some people, I don't know, I had some good testimonials on that. A lot of people was, would appreciate that. So I just kept going with it. And it announced over 100 contests in Northern Cal now, more than anybody. Amazing. So that's felt good. Before so before, keep, before we get, get into that, I want, let's, uh, let me ask you where you're from. Where you born? Yeah, Redwood City. Redwood City. And skating uh, at the Spillway was like the main spot, this place called the Backdoor Spillway, which was a famous spot in San Mateo. And then at Derby in Santa Cruz. Uh, my godfather, after my dad died in 1970, he was a number one motorcycle racer and died racing in Salinas, California, um, 1970. And then my mom's new best friend was this master carpenter, amazing surfer, skater, who's best friends with the owner of Tunnel, which was a big company in the 70s and in, into the early 80s. Um, so I was just lucky to be riding with the guys from Tunnel and knowing those guys. Um, again, my godfather was best friends with Mitch Hockey, who was the owner at that time, which had Blackheart and Tay Hunt and just a bunch of amazing dudes on the tunnel team. Um, so yeah, I was kind of lucky in that way for sure. Yeah, I'd never heard of those two. Tunnel, is that's a skate company? or is Yeah, that- Tunnel is huge, yeah. Tun- I actually have a shirt here. Um, tunnel, this is, an, this is a re- reproduction, but yeah, I have a Tunnel. Really, and what year was that? You that. said, and all the and all the main spots in the Bay Area and Santa Cruz that we would skate, which had the spillway, which was the main spot where I would skate, was this place called the Backdoor Spillway. A lot of people called it the Belmont Drop. I think Thrasher Magazine listed it as they called it the Belmont Drop, but it was the sickest ditch ever. Huh. And one of them anyway. But I mean, shoot, the pit was pretty popular in San Jose too, and that's where Caballero rode and other people, but. Spillway was huge, and I rode with a lot of heavies and guys that are in the Skateboarding Hall of Fame to this day rode this ditch when I was a kid. I was just a grom, you know, and I'm watching Sweet. some of these amazing dudes. But, yeah, a lot of uh, Milpitas, again, Buena, famous spots, Winchester, et cetera. Um, I wasn't going to parks. I was just like we were building our own ramps and skating a bunch of backyard half pipes, and mm-hmm. we weren't into wearing pads, and we were just into, like, buttboarding hills and going 50 miles an hour passing cars and stuff like on our butts and, and doing crazy stuff like that and, and skating ditches and going to Derby because yeah. that was free. Um, and, and I didn't really get into more vert until a little bit later, the heavier, deeper mm-hmm. stuff like at Burnside. That's where I kind of got more heavy into the to the bigger stuff. But anyway, Tunnel and some famous spots in the Bay Area. This is through Fred Dog Myrtle brought these shirts. Um, it's a long story, but he's up in Tahoe and big up to Fred Dog. Who took over from Don Bostick, who's like the godfather, one of the main main guys in NorCal that had held the, one of the very first contests uh, in Sacramento, 1975. Rick Blackheart took first place. It was so cool to meet Blackheart. Just got to meet Blackheart, too. I'm stoked. He's in the Hall of Fame, too. Nice, nice. So, a lot of these names and companies I'm not familiar with. So I'm old. It's okay. I was what? getting here. Maybe you can hand me this old tunnel board. Yeah, this is a, a prototype tunnel board, and it's a Stinger model, which means it comes in here. You have these, like, it just comes in a little more, narrower here. Yeah, Stinger. So this is a Stinger prototype from Tunnel <clears throat> with a built-up tail. This is before they started, like, steaming boards. You would actually build it up just with a piece of plywood build-up tail. Oh, to create more pop Yeah, so you'd or... actually get a, a kicktail on it. Yeah, you'd actually add that piece of wood on the back. as oh. you, you can see it from the side there. What about the bottom side there? Is that just from razor tail? or? Yeah, that's just, yeah. And this would actually have a tail guard on it. In the old days, you'd have a piece of plastic so your tail wouldn't wear down. You would screw in. Oh, okay. Like a tail guard and nose guard. That's the hole still here from the nose guard. So your nose wouldn't get all chewed up every time it would hit something. You know, right. Just chew up the front. And then it has an old school lapper on the back so you could go up. Whatever, so you wouldn't hang up on the coping with the lapper. I've That's, never seen anything like this. These wheels are newer and these are Veriflex trucks, but this board, these are this is more of eighties here with the trucks and the wheels. Um, but this board's late seventies, again, tunnel. 
It's got the pizza grip on it. You can see the tunnel stickers. Anyway, it's pretty tight. I show, I posted this on the tunnel page, and I don't think they've seen a prototype of the Stinger. I've never seen another one. Wow. It was actually traded for Redwood Burl from Neil Young's house. So there's a really deep story about that board because my godfather <clears throat> was this master carpenter. And again, friends with the owner of Tunnel and friends with Neil Young and built one of Neil Young's homes in Hawaii and did a lot of work on his place in Skyline. Um, so yeah, that board was traded for uh, two Redwood Burls from Neil Young's property. So it's just kind of a cool story. That's a cool story. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Young in there. Last time I saw Neil Young, it was six dollars in Half Moon Bay, six bucks for anyway. a ticket for, yeah. to see yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was just playing at this little like church place in Half Moon oh. Bay, you know, just random. You know, he only put the flyer up maybe just a few days before. You know, so whoever found out, found out that kind of stuff. <laughs> that was probably when you're working for twenty five cents an hour or something. Mm. You know? I was working for like four dollars and twenty five cents an hour. Oh, I remember wow. that. <laughs> Nowadays, you know who Taylor Swift is. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, her tickets are like in the thousands just for like some nosebleeds or something. Yeah. No, it's crazy. It's not looking good. Mm -mm. So that skating in the early days was rad. I mean, the Bay Area was, I was blessed. And then, and then to move up to Placerville after that and spend time skating in, uh, in Camino and, uh, in, in Colma. There was a, uh, Joe Green had a big vert ramp in Placerville. Good times. And going down to the grind in Sacramento and skating there. And then moving up to Portland after that. And just happened to meet Red and a few guys at Cannon Beach skating, which was the only outdoor, like, cement park at that time in Oregon. And Mark Scott's, like, one of the, whatever, he's the head of Dreamland Skate, or, skate Parks and... Uh, mm -hmm. Pretty much the you know the main force behind Burnside at least for the first how many decades so big up to Red and uh, Dreamland for for all the things that they're doing didn't they help um, build the new park that we have now or at least the design the park here in Reading the new one point three million dollar park um, thank God this um, Travis Penny the new park and rec guy here got this nine point seven million dollar grant and then dedicated one point three million to this park. Mm. I think at least a million to the brand new Shasta Lake Park that's coming in. I think that has something to do with that same grant. Sweet. Um, I might be wrong on that, but Shasta Lake's getting a park. I'm working on the new Dunsmuir Skate Park. They want to park there for the last like six years, and we just uh, had a meeting up there recently again. Um, I heard there's another small park going in Reading. Um, another one. Yeah, another smaller one. Um, oh, the one by the library, like the yeah, Tiger Fields. Exactly. Yeah. And I hope that manifests. That would be cool to have another little small one in Reading. It would be rad. Yeah, that well, was that was kind of scheduled before Shasta Lake, but they've been trying to get one in Shasta Lake for a long time too. So yeah, just construction and everything takes time, you know. Yeah, and finding the workers. But yeah, Brian talked about it. I think everything was cleared, so everything's good. It's just waiting on. I don't know what it is. Just the work itself, or the the reconstruction of the whole area. Because right now there's still the tennis courts you know the playground and all that but that'll come soon i don't know if it's going to be a whole park i think they're just going to throw yeah i think it was something really small like skate obstacles maybe yeah, like a ledge just, and a quarter just, pipe yeah it was something small but it was just cool that they would incorporate you know something, yeah. something to do with skating right? thinking about us because <laughs> normally <laughs> oh, that's awesome normally I mean, that this, was our whole goal at skate movement for like 13 years give or take however long that was was to get a new skate park in reading you know, everybody would just drive by Reading, you know, and it's too hot and the park's jank and this, that, and the other. The first podium I ever had was at Reading, though, so I got to give it up to Reading, you know, because I didn't start competing until I was like, whatever, 41 again when Brian Harris talked me into <laughs> coming to some event in Anderson in 2009, and then all of a sudden I'm full-fledged into it, and then all these sponsors start coming because for whatever reason, and I just, it was just, it's just a good time. I mean, I'm just in it for fun. I've skated all over the world and like 16 different countries and Sweden and India and China and Egypt. And Which one do you think was Scotland the best country to skate in? Or oh, one that stuck out? Well, resurrecting the Vans Park in India that had been buried in bamboo and giant monkeys. And like we cleaned out and resurrected that whole thing. It was just totally buried for, for years in the forest. Oh, you helped and dig I it was back living, up? Or? Yeah, I moved to India and in 2012. I'm living in Goa, 
I'm performing and playing lots of music locally and, and it's going really well. I'm having like probably the best like music tour probably like I've ever had overseas. And, uh, and some guy's like, oh, there's this kid. He's coming to your gig tonight. He's, uh, he lives at the skate park in the jungle that you've been trying to find for the last two weeks. I'm like, what? Where's the park? He's like, hey, he's coming tonight. He's coming to your gig. I was like, all right, cool. You know, I'll talk to this guy, Purna was his name, from uh, Bangalore. Super cool dude. And so I'm talking with him after my gig that night and whatever, I'm eating food. And he's like, yeah, I'm living at the skate park. I'm renting the house there at the old Vans Park. He goes, but the, the landowner is like, doesn't want us to skate. And if he ever catches us skating, he wants us to pay. He wants money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in India, right? <laughs> yeah, they do what they can oh to survive. Oh, my gosh. No, no, it's, 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 it's crazy. Uh, it's fun, but, like, you, can, you know, all your dreams can manifest in one, you know, in, <clears throat> in one afternoon in India, or you can die in India in one day, too. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. No, it's crazy there. I had a great time. They treated me like... <clears throat> They treat me really good. But anyway, so I meet this dude. I go out to his place. I'm like, you're renting this place? I'm like, yeah, this killer kidney bowl and another square pool and a whole street course with a portal doorway and like death boxes. And like, it was dope. And we just like cleaned it up big time. And like all these guys from, um, he was from Sweden. Yeah, Sweden and Norway. I can't remember the guy's names, but holy crap, these guys were so good. And then they would skate this place called Chiba Palace, and then they ended up getting in a contest over there, and then we helped build a bowl and did the DIY and building, and that was super fun. India's rad. That was cool. I mean, that was a good memory. Just resurrecting this old park. They built it yeah. in 2006. I think it closed, or no, they built it like 2001. And then... Nobody, and, and then, everybody and just then, stopped skating, or what happened? And then it like was deserted after like 2006, so it sat there just overgrown for like six years. And then we uncloaked it and like cleaned it all up. Yeah, that was cool. And we would just skate like when the landlord wasn't around, you know, and have some really good sessions. I have good videos from there. Is that is that one of the bigger cities in India or <sighs> Goa? It's just like in and outside of Anjuna in Goa, southern India is where people like vacationing. Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah, how, it's do, like how does... It's tropical kind of paradise in Goa. It's pretty nice. It's like 95 degrees every day in tropical. Nice. nice. Yeah, the beaches are amazing. I was going to say, how does India have a skate park, but Dunsmuir does not have a skate park? <laughs> <laughs> well, there wasn't that many back then. I mean, now now it's totally blown up. Like, the DIY scene in India is completely off the chain. Um, I happened to get there kind of at the early part of the India DIY explosion, for lack of better words. Um, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But now they're like, shoot, they're springing up all over in India. They've got lots of parks and the kids are getting sponsored. And like, another cool thing, I was skating with this this little crew. I was just on my moped or whatever, my little scooter, just buzzing through these little villages in Anjuna, and, uh, around Anjuna. And ran into these kids who were skating like on the street. I was like, I heard a board like, snap I heard it like an ollie snap and a clack like I heard a, bo- a skateboard yeah. you know you and I'm knew. like turned around I'm like what who's skating like these dudes these kids are skating in this random this janky super jank just crap spot and but they were making the most of it and I'm just like what I'm like waiting like I I wasn't living that far from there I was living in this little village called Badem I was renting my house for six dollars a night and you're just like five minutes from the beach that's amazing to see all these different cultures and, f- figuring out skateboarding, right? No, it was cool. But a lot of those people, though, weren't, weren't from India. A lot of them are like, whatever, they're all transplants from Israel and from England. And, you know, families, people that have come over and raising their kids there in India and Anjuna especially. Goa is kind of a big trance, uh, Mecca, Goa trance music, which was invented by Goa Gill. We both, we had the same manager in music, actually. Hmm. Um, anyway, he's kind of the father of techno music, an invented trance, yeah. Anyway, so Goa in India is, has this whole genre named after him, or like he create helped create this Goa trance, this certain style. Uh-huh. And so it's just like, doo, 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 like nonstop and Goa's crazy. I'm there playing all these instruments. That's why I did really good, because I had no competition. I'm, I'm there, these like fancy places on the beaches playing 
whatever to the more uh, upper class or something, I guess you'd say. Yeah. <laughs> it was rad, though. They treated me good. It was super fun. But like skating with those kids. So I meet these kids, skating with them. And then some, and then they're like, oh, we, we skate every Sunday down at the flea market. And Anjuna has this really famous flea market. And so whatever, we're skating there. When the flea market's not going on, there's a couple rad spots there. And some guys found us. And they're like, yeah, we're doing a video for Billabong, a small thing out of um, Mumbai. Do you mind if we shoot you guys, you know, take some video, we'll give you a little donation and we'll kick down some food and we got some other product and whatever they get, tea and all this different stuff. It's like, these are just little kids. I think I was like the oldest by far, you know, but it was like, we just did this whole like street thing for him for Billabong. It was rad in India, in some random place in Goa, the flea market. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, you never know who you're going to run into in skating, you know, and they're like, oh, you helped build Burnside. Really? Burnside? Oh, they know Burnside all the way from and that as side. As soon as you, yeah, as soon as, well, yeah, it's on Tony Hawk PlayStation number one, number oh, two, or no, number one, number three, it's on Activision, uh, all these different, like, games or whatever, so people know about it. You skated with Tony Hawk? Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, the first question, yeah. yeah. It's like only one time, like, up at City Skate in Portland at the indoor park, you know, on the vert ramp there, you know. Oh, but you did other, skate with him, yeah. Yeah. But okay. I was shooting video more. I was kind of the, the I have... Whatever the deepest uh, Burnside early years video archive. Mm. Um, Kent Dahlgren has a, the deepest photo archive, and mine's probably second in photos, but deepest video. Still haven't released that yet. That needs to be released. Guys have been hounding me for over 30 years when you get released the Burnside early years part one and two. It was cool. I mean, I was just, I was lucky. Like, I had to put up Alva, like when Tony Alva came, you know, and he's like in the Guinness book, like, and I knew a lot about Alva, you know. <clears throat> it's like, it's like, man, just stay at my parents' house. Like, you know, we'll put you up. So it was cool to actually host, you know, him. And then, when, like, when Christian Asoy first come to Burnside, too, whatever, take him, excuse me, to take him to this other spot <clears throat> outside of Burnside, you know, one of these, uh, whatever, it's this pool actually in Milwaukee at this old, at this hotel. It was just like one of our, one of the top secret spots to like take people. I was rad with Asoy there. <clears throat> and they used footage of mine of Asoy in, in this movie called Dope, which won some awards. Um, D-O-P-E means death or prison eventually. And it's about Dennis Martinez, Bruce Logan, Jay Adams, and Christian Hasoy, about four guys that were virtually at the top of their game and then whatever fell into hard times and whatever, living under bridges, some of them, and just crazy stories. It's a beautiful movie, um, real tearjerker, good movie it's called Dope. But anyway, it was cool they used my footage. Of Sweet. Soy at Burnside, only me and Rodney Mullen were the only guys who donated footage for free. Oh, for free to to, uh, to that movie. Yeah, it says the additional archival footage. And it had my name above Rodney. I'm like, you should have had Rodney above my name. No, I was just happy to contribute. That was through Dave Paul, who's a lifetime tracker truck guy, who made that happen. Um, again, through Dennis Martinez. So big up to Dennis Martinez and Dope. Thank you. He's in the Hall of Fame too. Big up to Blackheart. Big up to all the guys in SAC that I just went and saw at the Endmen um, premiere. They took first out of 147 films. I had all these guys sign one of my older boards from Skate Crime. Still waiting on my new Bigfoot Barno boards. But, uh, yeah, it was just nice to have Alva, Soy, all these guys. Again, with Brockway, MTR, Middle, Big Up, Randy Caton. Don Bostic and company, so many amazing dudes at that event just two weeks or three weeks ago now in Sacramento. Yeah. And men, the untold story, and men, worth seeing. Amazing. Crazy, crazy good movie. I can't believe they got first and they got best director. And that's an LA film fest. That's not some janky little film fest. That's like a real deal film fest. They took it first. So it's cool. They're, uh, they're having premieres. They already had a premiere in LA, they're doing one in Idaho. Hopefully they're just going to go overseas and keep riding it and get it up to Netflix or wherever it needs to be. So it won't be out for a long time because you know they're going to need to be riding that way for a while. But it's just neat. End men, Sacramento again. Don Bostic threw the very first contest NorCal at that time. Uh, well, what we call NorCal, <laughs> which would be more like Sacramento North. Right. Um, there was some earlier contests um, before '75, of course. There was contests in the '60s. But the real heavier contest with Blackheart taken first was 75 in SAC, and that was with Don Bostic, 
who I just got a message from, and he's the head of the U.S. snowboarding, or excuse me, U.S. skate skateboarding team um, for the Olympics. Head of the well, I I forget his new title. To be straight up with you, he's had a few titles. I just always have known him as you know the head of World Cup series, the mm. World Cup skateboarding. Excuse me, and I've been to a couple World Cup events um, where he's where he's doing his thing. Uh, and he was running the snowboarding in Tahoe for years and handed that off again to friend Dog Myrtle, who was connected with Tunnel, who kicked down those shirts at the reunion. Um, it was so cool hosting that reunion. I don't mean to backtrack, but yeah, hosting the Spillway thing was rad in 2015. So many guys came out of the woodwork. They used to ride this old ditch. Couldn't get Blackheart to come for a, new, a number of reasons, but yeah, all good. We had a good time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, and then, so, right, and then Burnside too. Again, I we didn't know what was going on. I was just using my tip money, just mixing cement, you know, buying my own bags and just mixing with a two by four. You know, I was working at Olive Garden, so I was like taking my tip money from Olive Garden to buy cement. And we because these because these guys started building this thing under the bridge, and we didn't right. know what was going on. We didn't know it was going to go to number one in the world and be yeah. on all these movies and in free video Willy. games. Yeah, and... Free Willy, the one with the whale. They had that in yeah, there yeah, too. Burnside's like in their first like five minutes. Yeah. And then in Paranoid Park with Gus, Gus Van Zant, the director from Vancouver, it's in, I don't know, it's in, a, I think, a Madonna movie and a couple, I don't know, at least like six or seven different pictures. You'll have to Google that. I can't remember all the movies. But it's interesting how many flicks that Burnside's in yeah, that, you, that you've heard of, you know? It was kind of cool. So, again, we had no idea. We were just like... And then, and then and at that time, the, the mayor of Portland was Bud Clark, and he was super cool. He had a big beard. His son skated. I remember when they first came down to Burnside and they're like looking over the wall and Bud had this huge smile and we're just like, yeah, Bud, like, you know, the mayor approves, like, even though we like took over this parking lot, you know, but that landlord of that place was just standing on no legal leg at all. I had this total dilapidated hotel there and full of junkies and hookers and homeless people and just the most craziest things went on in that old. So he didn't really care. Yeah. So the city was just like. Oh, cool! There, you know, it gives a place for the skaters to go. It got all the junkies out from under the bridge. It's a total win-win situation. Let us keep it, and then I believe they got historical status after like twenty years, so they can't get rid of it. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. At least I believe that's the story. Good luck getting rid of Burnside. It's almost like a national park now. <laughs> you know? can't get it's rid like of Yosemite Burnside. of skate parks. And then, and then as I'm going around the planet doing all this other more uh, whatever <clears throat> metaphysical type whatever concerts and lectures. Um, I'd be I'd always have my skateboard with me, so I'd always be able to skate all these random crazy places that I was going. You know, just it wasn't necessarily a skate trip, but I always had my board with me. Yeah, you know, because yeah, skating wouldn't pay my way around the world so much as this, uh, those other whatever my day job. <laughs> but it's a good way of transportation either way if you need to get somewhere. That's right. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Known this guy for a long time. I'm like Frankie. Yeah, growing up now. I remember when he was just a grom at the contest. That first contest in Anderson at NS3. Like Logan Marshall was like six years old. He was and, a baby. He, and he made the finals or whatever in the eleven and unders at six. And I'm just like, I, I'll never forget that because that was the first contest that I was like announcing with Brian Harris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Logan Marshall, badass. Yeah, now he's grown up and and big up to Kevin Marshall. Big up to Pam Lewis, everybody at Skate Movement, Heather Harris, Todd Harris, Brian Harris, Allison, everybody. I mean, it's a long crew, uh, long list there with big uh, Chuck Court, with big Chuck and oh, so many different people. And and just props to Scribner and Wiegand and just all the shredders that have been getting into Thrasher Magazine that are from Reading and yeah. to Superb with Robbie. Um, who's been one of my main hookups? Super stoked. Big up to Dark Side, who's been a total like just steadfast for so many years. So big up to Bruce, Dark Side forever. He's just cool. He's always been there. I mean, a lot of people come and go um, when you're trying to get sponsors or you know people to donate for contests. But Dark Side's always been there. Robbie's always been there. Um, I still haven't even been over to Ray's. Ray's the total legend in town. I mean, he's one of my heroes, Ray Lee. Ray Lee. So, I mean, yeah, just hearing stories about him and watching him skate at Reading back in the day and backside one eightying that pyramid the long way. Like nobody does that at Reading. Right. It doesn't happen unless you're Ray Lee. 
<laughs> yeah. So talk about a legend like, yeah, Ray Lee was big. Isn't it amazing that he opened up a shop? Like, who better than Ray to open up a shop? And yeah, Ray? no, so deserved. Yeah, and I haven't even been over there. I've just been so busy doing what I'm doing up in Mount Shasta. I'm just glad to be down here and to get back into it a little bit more. And uh, through Heather Harris and Skate Movement, it's nice. All I have to do now is just really just send an email and you know, and then everything's set up in whatever town that I need to be doing a contest, and it's totally legit. I don't have to be doing more of my pirate contests. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be doing one for my birthday in Shasta next month, and then I'm announcing it at Eureka next month at the Sweet. annual contest. which will be my third time out there. It's nice camping in the redwoods and in the coast. So, yeah. Speaking You're, of your, your skate... That's with, with Big T, so big up to Big T. just wanted to say that, too. I just wanted to say, speaking of those skate comps, you run a skate comp in Mount Shasta yourself, right? The Krusty Lurkers? Well, yeah, Krusty Lurker, yeah, that's been going on. That was through Brian Harris again, and me did this night session in Weed like 14, 15 years ago. And then we just like, man, and it was such a hit because it was at night. It was just like, I don't know, nighttime is just the right time in skating. And you got all lit up, and then you know things just start to happen. Mm -hmm. um, that normally wouldn't happen in sessions. Um, and it, actually, at that first session, there was a board that stood up by itself. Um, by itself? like Yeah, it was like the, uh, this guy was standing on the board. Usually, you know, when you have your foot on the board, uh -huh. you know, the board is like this. You take your foot off, and the board just goes down flat. And right. it just stayed up like that without his foot on it. And I, and I were thinking, like, how's your board standing up? And I remember seeing it on Fuel TV once back in the day, you know, which would show a lot of skate stuff on Fuel TV. Yeah. And uh, and they showed a board standing up, you know, and I just thought it was a gag, you know, or there's double-sided tape on the tail or whatever, some gum, right. gum or some whatever, something's holding it down. But there was nothing holding it. And I knew Will wasn't, Will Grigsby from McLeod Shredder. He's, I think he's in Tahoe now for many years, but uh, he's like, Barno, like, I'm not kidding, dude, standing up, like, I didn't do anything. And I'm videoing the whole thing, and there's a huge crowd of people, and the little kids are like, it's the Lemurians, they're, they're holding the board up, or whatever, you know, it's like, the, the, it's a ghost, or angels, or whatever, like all this stuff, you know. And I'm like, we'll back up and like run up and jump on the board, and roll in the pool and take a whole run, I'll get the whole thing on video, you know. And then, so he did that, and then... I jumped in the bowl, and right when he was done, we flipped the board over, and I, I, it was all in one scene, all in one uncut video clip. You Raw, know? yeah. And I'm like, look, no double tape. There's no tape. Like, it wasn't, like, you know, that wasn't fixed or whatever. But, yeah, magic. That first night at the Krusty. We didn't even call it Krusty Lurker back then, but then it just evolved over the years. It was like, and it, I think the, the heaviest one I did with it at Shasta was like 110 skaters showed up. Sweet. And the parks and park and recs were like, how do you get so many people to show up? I'm just like, man, people just come. I don't know. Like, we just try to have fun. And then started doing the dirt ball rally, which is this time thing on the dirt, on your skateboards, on the on the BMX track behind the park there, mm -hmm. which I did for like four years. The dirt ball rally, which is super fun. But yeah, Krusty Lurker. This is our 14th year coming up in September. Is that how long the so, park's been open in Mount Shasta? Because uh, it's kind of newer. I think it's been uh, third. I think it's third. Yeah, it's a good question. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Wow, that's yeah, amazing. I feel years. old now. Just yeah. I buried, I buried diamonds in the foundation, um, just like I did in this park in India. And they're California diamonds, whatever, just to boost up the energy. Only two parks in the skate, skate parks in the world that have diamonds buried in the foundations: Mount Shasta and one in Goa, in India. That's amazing, and you had part in that. Well, that's my idea. Yeah, yeah, that's my deal. So, Nobody else doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he's got to put some crystals. I'm into stones. I don't know. I like crystals and stuff. And these California diamonds don't have the, you know, it's not African blood diamond karma garbage. <clears throat> these are from Clear Lake, just a few hours south of here. Cali diamonds, nice and clear. And you don't have to dig up and thrash the land. They're just picked up off the off the ground harmlessly, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, not like those blood diamonds. Yeah, I yeah. So, yeah. Like, good luck cleaning the... Yeah, I'm not even going to go there. But good luck trying to cleanse whatever energy's on those. Right. I don't care what kind of ceremony you got. Good luck. So how how deep did you bury the diamonds? <laughs> They're not that deep. They're just right underneath the cement, just in the dirt right before they poured. Okay. Yeah. Like what part of the skate park? Like towards the nine-foot bowl? There's or? one, in, yeah, toward the nine. There's one up on the top, like up in that smaller capsule area, and then just one like kind of right in the middle mm. where the... And how'd you, how'd you, you pre-planned it, so when you knew they were going to pour Well, yeah, I knew it. they were going to pour the next day, so yeah, I just like 
put it just hopped the fence and just put them where I thought they should be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I just say like three little positive things into each one and then just like put it in there. The little intention behind it. Yeah. So are you are you a Mount Shasta local now? Are you is that where you stay in or are you just kinda everywhere still? No, I've been in Shasta for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, my folks bring me there since I was a little guy. Since the seventies and then I moved there in ninety four. I wanted to bring up, uh, I've always heard stories about, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but the Lemurians is very big around in the Mount Shasta area. Well, that's, yeah, that's the deal. I mean, that's what people say. There's this subterranean community inside the mountains, like three miles across, one mile high, man-made, cavernous dome, one and a half million, all in the fifth dimension and higher. Oh, wow. um, there's a lot of books on it. There's a lot of information on it. I've written a few myself. Um but I'm not going to go into that too much. But uh, yeah, my website is saintgermainvioletflame.com. And you spell that. It's S-A-I-N-T and then Germain Violet Flame. But yeah, I'm not going to go into it too much. But yeah, Lemuria, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people ask me when they're at the, you know, it's like, oh, how do I get in the mountain? You know, a lot of people are like wanting, hearing these stories about these people that live inside the mountain. Is that the same theory as Hollow Earth? Have you heard of Hollow Earth? Yeah, it's like the crust is is like a honeycomb with whatever there's a lot of these subterranean communities that are right near the surface but once you get through the crust then it's supposedly whatever 7,000 miles across inside mm. with like 100 million people and over 100 different cities and Shambhala is the capital that's kind of a long story that's why I write books yeah um, I'd have to check out one of those books I guess <laughs> maybe we can grab that stack of books please oh, that would help let's Thank check them out thank you so much you're awesome Thank you. So yeah, and the, the latest one is the Shasta's Majesty, which has a lot of that information in it. Boom, you can see that. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, that's the, that's the newest one. There's a lot of, I mean, there's so many stories with, I mean. And these we, are all we, written we can, by. We could do episodes just about the mountain. So it's kind of a long, crazy story, but that's why I'm writing books. So St. Germain, Violet Flame, um, Lemurians. Yeah, Shasta was the crown chakra of Lemuria, which which was this continent before Atlantis. Um, this was the top of the seventh main region. Yeah, it's a, it's quite a long story, but um, yeah, there's just so much electromagnetic energy pouring out of Shasta. I've been to a lot of volcanoes and a lot of energy spots from Egypt and wherever the Himalayas and all over the Andes, and I spent a lot of time mm-hmm. um, in all the major mountain ranges. Um, but Mount Shasta stood but out. Shasta's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to, I don't know, it's, I'm kind of partial to it because I've been going there since I was a kid, so it's probably not fair for me to say, you know. I probably have more of an affinity for it than most, but it's a magic spot, totally. Like, that's where they say heaven and earth meet or whatever, that the fifth dimension never left. Right. It's just a high vibe, especially when you get above like 6,000 feet on the mountain. There's definitely... Um, I mean, it's just a different frequency. I don't know how to say that. But if you're into meditation, you can definitely, like, whatever. That's another way to ask, to, like, go in. People are like, how do I get inside the mountain? It's like, just ask before you go to sleep to go, you know, while your body's sleeping, you know, to go in your finer body or whatever, in the light body, or, like, in meditation, <clears throat> or when you're just sitting quiet in nature. <clears throat> Those are the times to ask to, to do that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, shoot, that's to each his own on that one. Some people are just like, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> I've had tons of experiences, so I can't deny any of it. But you know, it's just for those, I guess, who are choosing that. Yeah, and there's know. so many and other. It's more of an inward journey. You're not even really searching. It's more of an inward thing, and then everything's like kind of revealed. It's like the more you go searching, the farther it gets away. The more you try to push something into creation, it just it gets farther. It seems anyway. You know? mm. It's like when you least expect it, then the greatest things are shown. It's like then you can't deny it. It's like dang, you know. It's like you're in that cave on the mountain, and all of a sudden, like these owls come and start circling right over your head in the cave or whatever it is. Something you know, and you and then you have some epiphany or some kind of a vision or you know, you know, just is magic totally. Spend times camping there. I, I should. I, yeah. I, yeah, bro, for sure, it's magic. There's over seven hundred caves. There's like there's a lot of places. The best clear water ever, you know. Yeah, it's, won, it's won quite a few awards, for sure. Shasta, definitely. So yeah, I was I was team captain on skate crime for seven years, 
and uh, they're out of Novato. I was just skating at the Terra in Tahoe, the South Lake Tahoe contest. And um, the head of skate crime's like, hey, like, I need to know that guy. That's what he told me later. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, I want, I want you to, you know, and he came up to me or I came up to his booth. I think he came up to his booth. He had some cool stickers. I'm like, skate crime, huh? He's like, yeah. He goes, you want to be like the NorCal rep for skate crime? I'm like, no, just make me team captain. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so, and then J.D. Sanchez was on that team too, um, who's like just blown up. Like he's at he's skating this weekend, I think, at the in Utah with Tony Hawk uh, and all the he- all the heaviest like vert skaters. Like he got invited. Yeah, J.D.'s like he's blowing up. He almost made it on the Olympic team. He's like. He's been he's been doing Olympic qualifiers in a bunch of different places. So anyway, it's just cool. Big up and again to Zion. Like oh my gosh, I remember when Tony Hawk even posted uh, when uh, Zion was uh, took best trick at the Bolarama in uh, Australia. Or whatever. Really? Like, cool. Tony Hawk. Like and he he actually miscalled the trick. No disrespect. And I was like I was like what do you say? I was like uh, I go Zion man. Tony posted your you're being plant to fakie, you know, and and uh, and I don't even want to say what he called it, but and, he, and Zion's like, well, just well, don't don't say anything. I'm like, no, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not, so what? He miscalled the trick. Who cares? But I'm just the stickler for trick calling because I've been like <laughs> announcing for so long, trying to like get my yeah. tricks in order, and I didn't know. I mean, there's just so many tricks. I tried to write a book on skateboard tricks, that did not happen, and I've written books. I'm like this is that's a that's an endless journey that I'm not ready to tackle trying to write a yeah. book with like every trick. And there's so or, many or tricks. At least, or at least you know not every trick that's impossible I guess cuz tricks are being made like Infinite. all the time. So yeah. it's like you could never do it. I yeah, I gave up on that one in a hurry. But people have different ideas. Let's say for instance nowadays people call a pop shove a kickflip a varial flip now. Mm, right. So yeah, would yeah. you consider that a varial flip incorrect? No, no, there's so many different names for the same trick. Yeah. You've had a couple uh, pro boards or boards made after you? Yeah, there was just more of a commemorative model. Again, with the Barno board. This was the first one that came out with Skate Crime. I remember that one. Yeah, I remember seeing that one. And this is with the Violet Flames. You can't really see it because you got all these names all over it. Um, I I didn't go to my storage to dig out a plain one, but uh, the newest one's going to be... Again with the Bigfoot, um, but it was more of a commemorative model because dudes were like, "What? Why do you have the Barno board?" It's like, "How'd you get that?" It's like, "I know people." Well, <laughs> these guys just offered it through Skate Crime, and I was just like, "I already had some ideas for a board." And I was like, well, "That'd be kind of cool," and we actually sold a lot of those boards. And it wasn't about like making money, but it was just like getting them out. People were just like, "I just like the graphic. I just want to hang it on the wall." This is uh, Paul Kreitzenbeck's graphic, who's doing Dead and Company's posters, Dave Matthews, Fish, just all like so many heavy bands. And he's out of Dunsmere. He's he's an amazing graphic artist. So it's just nice to have that vibe. And I don't know, I did get a little bit of flack, but most people are just like, I want a a cop, I want one, I want one. So, and I didn't, you know, and I started competing in the Masters, and I wasn't, you know, I was usually getting my butt kicked. I mean, I only took how many first place? Not that many. Less than that many times in first. When you're in the same age but, group as Ray Lee, it's tough. Well, <laughs> yeah, when you're when you're 49 against 41, 41 year olds, it was definitely yeah, that was. But once it started getting into the 50s and the legends, it was a little bit more like, okay, cool, I can compete at this level and actually get it more consistently on the podium. It was kind of fun. I don't know. It's just a good as long time. as you're having fun, right? I mean, that's what it was all about. Like I said, Brian talked me into this whole thing. Like I wasn't like most people didn't have a clue who I was. It was like, oh yeah, I heard of this guy. He's one of the main uh, original builders at, at Burnside. Um, and most people, you know, that was about it. Um, I think I was the only guy certified actually to pour cement legally that had already been through whatever the training, the classes. Um, mm-hmm. To pour cement at Burnside. Was there a certain obstacle that's still there that that you've poured on? Oh, there's a bunch of, of things that are still there. Um, I contributed more on the square bowl. Um, 
there was there was there was some features that are gone, um, like the original elbow. I remember working on an Arctic Blast with Monk, rest in peace, Monk from Grindline, um, who would come down from Seattle and help us work uh, on Burnside, and he was simultaneously doing the same thing up in in Seattle. Um, and I was stoked to work on some projects with him too. That was really cool. Um, but he would. I remember one time working at Burnside, like in the middle of the night, Arctic Blast. It was like thirty below. It was so crazy cold, and we're down there like trying to mix cement like it was just way too cold but like <laughs> <laughs> was it snowing we're like, like no 30 below was like no that was like beyond snow it was like it's just freezing rain type stuff where it would just instantly dice your breath would just i don't know 30 below is kind of different that sounds crazy uh, it's never... more of a, more of an arctic type blast but that was one of my favorite memories at burnside was just working with monk um in the middle of the night during the arctic blast on the original elbow it was all hand-laid brick and um, Red had a huge chunk in that um, and everything that he touched. Um, but the cool story was really was that Brett Taylor was the guy who had the first idea <clears throat> to lay cement down there. Um, and Osage would try to talk him into going to do it. And they didn't finally go and do it until Halloween 1990. And it was Chuck Willis, Osage Buffalo, <clears throat> and Brett Taylor. Brett Taylor. So from the stories I've and they heard... Went, and they went down and Brett laid this little thing at like whatever. They went down and just mixed this bag of cement and made this little tranny to the existing big wall there. And that's how the whole thing started. But it was through Brett Taylor. And there's a lot of people that, that will dispute that. But I've had long talks with Brett Taylor recently. And he spent like six weeks in Mount Shasta, you know, just living in the forest because he's been homeless for a long time. And I hadn't seen him in like 25 years. And all of a sudden he shows up at Shasta... I'm like, dude, you're the, you know, and I would tell people that's the guy who's like, he's the founder of Burnside, period. It's like, no, he isn't. I'm like, that's the dude. Get I the story there. straight. I've heard so many <laughs> stupid people claiming things, whatever, over the years. So, yeah, Brett Taylor had the idea. Osage really kicked him in the butt that night on Halloween. He was like, let's go do this. we got to go lay this, you know, and talked him into it or whatever. And they were just like, yeah, it's time to go. And then Chuck Willis went along too. So it was those three dudes that actually laid it. And then it just blew up after that. And we had no idea. Now it's just this mecca. People were moving from all over the world. People were, dudes were moving from Norway just to like skate Burnside to like live in Portland. It was crazy. You know, and then Phelps shows up and... From Thrasher and <clears throat> they do some Tony, of the King of the Roads. Tony, there. Tony Hawk showed up. I remember Tony Hawk showed up. I remember the first time he was just watching. He was just like he didn't skate it, but he skated the indoor park and crushed it at the vert ramp of the indoor. I think Bert's eye was just a little rough and crowded. And he just didn't know all the lines, and I probably wouldn't have jumped into that fire either because we were all going a hundred miles an hour. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was running each other over in those days. You didn't care. It's like if you're in the way, even if you were bros, it was like. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And it wasn't as rough, Burnside. Like, a lot of people were like, oh, I'm scared of even going to Burnside. It was actually all these really angelic dudes that just had these covers. Let's just say that. You know what I mean? They're really... Because to, to skate at that level, you got to be like Kung Fu, Shaolin, like a master. Jedi, yeah. yeah, you got to be Jedi. Yeah, totally. Like, you, you, you know, you can't have fear to be doing what we were doing. I was pretty fearless then. Red was just killing it. Red was just stunning, you know, power rider times 10. <clears throat> and then he started building at Lincoln City and, yeah, and then Dreamland skate parks and building the biggest, scariest parks in the world. I remember when, he, when we were trying to, we like, Red, like, we need Dreamland to come and build the park at Mount Shasta. And he's like, man, they won't let us go over, like, so many feet. Like, the regulations were really stiff in Cali, like, at that, whatever, through that, Avenue or whatever. There's always different stipulations in every county, every right. city, through time, what state. I'm sure there's a thousand facets of that diamond um, that I don't know about. But anyway, yeah. So it was like, dude, they won't let us go big. We're like, we're not going to just build some small park. I'm like, I get it. You guys, you guys build big, rad, you know, crazy, you know, rad stuff. So anyway, it was just cool. 
so many crazy things inside some of those transitions, the trash and the different things that we would throw in there to like just fill the trannies with. Like if you could actually <laughs> see inside some of those transitions, what the hell's in there? And Maybe then one some of them more was left or... hollow and like Coy and, and uh, Gavin like lived inside the tranny and had the padlock, the key to like get inside, to sleep inside the trannies at night. It was so rad. Wow. No, that was cool. Yeah, that was, that was, that was in the old original like taco which doesn't exist anymore the a-frame whatever taco bank thing was sketchy it was so gnarly and it was all just a bunch of vert and it was it wasn't that big and just all vert that was super fun that park made you better for sure it made yeah. you have no fear like if you could hit anything at that park you could hit anything at any other park right i don't know i mean that's that's kind of you know that's that's a story of so many skaters you know that grew up that didn't have the luxuries of skating these like pristine pools and these amazing parks in Southern California, mm-hmm. you know like that N Men story that I just went and saw in Sacramento with the red carpet thing. So many of those guys grew up skating the jankiest pools and the roughest spots like they didn't have the pick of the litter so to speak, you know, more more so in SoCal that they had that pick. So it would just make them just that much burlier, that much gnarlier, because they had to skate stuff that was barely even skatable, you know. So it does make you kind of, not better, but it makes you like, (laughs) it doesn't make you worse, let's just say that. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah. I think it's like a double-edged sword, too, because nowadays kids that are younger, they're skating these pristine parks. So when they get to the street, they see like this janky forest there or this janky four rail. Mm. Then they're like, oh, that's not to like the perfect specification of yeah, how yeah. I want to skate. Yeah, yeah. So they only grow up skating the parks as like a everything's perfected there. So when they get to the streets, it's a whole nother story. Or just, you know, to a pool that's like really was never meant to be, you know, yeah. like, you know, just some pools are just like all vert, you know, barely, you know, two or three feet of tranny and six feet of vert. You yeah. Know, and you're like, it's just, you know, super hard to skate, you know, but only the gnarliest dudes, you know, that just made you a better skater. So I wasn't, I wasn't that big in pool skating. I was more, I grew up skating ditches. I was like the flat bank ditch guy. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. I keep banging the mic. And one thing of whiskey, I'm out of control. <laughs> you're all good. <laughs> That's the power of editing. I could always work those <laughs> out. Good. Yeah. No worries. So, yeah, skating's been huge to me. I mean, shoot, I've been doing it for over 50 years now. 50 or, years? Or this is like the 51st year or whatever. So I'm just going to keep going. I've fallen over 40,000 times on cement. I figured it out since the 70s. And I really don't wear pads. Never really been into it. I know a lot of people are against that. It's not that I think it makes you look like a wuss. It's just uncomfortable, I guess. Yeah. And I didn't grow up wearing pads, so you just learn how to fall. You mm-hmm. know, they say, "Oh, Barno, man, you have the most graceful bails in the game." I'm like, "That's why I'm still alive." Like, <laughs> it takes skill to fall. <laughs> Lost a lot of my friends to skateboarding, unfortunately. We used to buttboard a lot when I was a kid, and you know, some of those guys passed away. You know, it was gnarly. They were doing over sixty miles an hour, buttboarding on Road Rider, like just old school stuff. You know, ballsy. Yeah, we were we were pretty crazy back then. Um, I remember my brother going to jail. Like you know, my mom's like, "Your brother's in jail for reckless driving on a skateboard." Reckless what? driving on a skateboard. It's like yeah, he's like doubled. The cop said he doubled the speed limit and, on a skateboard and, and, and passed like four cars on a double yellow where you're not supposed to pass on a double yellow. Amazing. Yeah, on a skateboard, it's like it's like yeah, Jackson jail. Yeah. <laughs> Go get him out. No more skateboarding for a month. Yeah, <laughs> or whatever he got grounded for. You can get a, a ticket for not wearing a helmet skating down the street. You know. Yeah, they right? used to get you for that. I'm like, what? Yeah, we were pretty crazy. We were shooting like freeways even. And highway stuff, which was kind of, that was next level for sure. But yeah, not anymore. I've got a little more sense now. If you had some advice to give to the younger generation or the new generation coming up, what would you tell them about skateboarding and what to look forward to or what not to look forward to? Hmm. I mean, cause skateboarding teaches a lot of stuff, right? Skateboarding... I mean, to me, it's real freedom, you know, just to have the wind blowing in your face. And um, I don't know, just the sound. 
like I'm in the slide, so I get these crazy long squealing, like I don't know. There's, it's it's hard to to duplicate that sound. I don't know. I just like the sound, and again, it's just having the air. So what what would be my advice? Just have a good time. Yeah, you know, who cares what anybody thinks of you? A lot of people. Oh, Barno. You got no style. You're so stiff. I remember this uh, one. I won't mention his name, but very famous dude. And, and we're at this contest. I think I came in last. <laughs> he goes. He goes. He goes. You got to bend your knees, Barno. I'm like, uh, all right. Yeah, I'll bend my knees some more. I go. I like to try to just ride like I'm just casually standing there, like I'm not even skating. That's kind of my style. He just starts laughing at me. And other people are like, dude, you have total like Burnside Steve's, like your style's kill. Like, what's he talking about? So it's funny how some people perceive. Yeah, it's just like, I guess I, or I do have style. Oh, I don't. Yeah. Oh, I have no style. You know? People, so yeah, it just depends on what people think. I think my style is kind of on the stiffer side for sure. And I think that pro was right that day and what he said. But, uh, <laughs> But, uh, I mean, I can get hella squatting and bend my knees when I need to and do stuff. Like, you know, when I was younger, I just, yeah, don't always do that. But, yeah, what can I tell the kids? Just have a good time. Yeah. You know, if you're competing, if you got skilled, then just, you know, ride that wave. Like, start sending, whatever, get footy of yourself. Um, that's what I would do when I would see guys that would come to the park, like in Shasta. I'm like, man, you got any footy? I was like, no. I'm like, Phew. You got skill, like you could probably get sponsored, dude. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, here, let me just shoot some stuff for you, and I'll go back to the pad here, you know, and I only live, you know, a mile and a half, and whoever will edit this thing down, and you can take this clip, and it'll all be edited. All you gotta do is put music to it, and you're gold. And I'm like, what? And I did that for like over 25 dudes growing up, and some guys went all the way to like X Games gold, and they oh, were like, they weren't even thinking like they had, that they weren't shit, and they went like really far. Anyway, it didn't always happen like that, but it just was always rad to just promote. Like in skate movement, we gave away literally over 50 Gs. And I say that mildly. He's a lot more than that to me. Just in the trophies alone that came from Harris Metalworks, the over 500, and I figured it out how many trophies that they put out. I mean, just for the over 500 custom metal trophies alone over those years, like mm -hmm. crazy amount. Um, but yeah, just to know all that money, all that, all those trophies, all those prizes, go went out to all these kids. It's really all about just giving back, and that was our whole deal. Just to like, keep skateboarding going. It's like who cares about us? So what? We're getting old. It's all about the kids, and it was always about the kids with skate movement. It always will be. Um, it still exists. We're just not doing the series anymore, but definitely still is in existence. And. Uh, mm -hmm. Heather Harris is, is holding down the vibe for, and allowing me to be able to do, like, so when North State stopped, I'm like, man, I'm still going to do the corning contest. I still want to do the Shasta contest. So I just right. kept going, just on my own or whatever, just kind of keep this momentum going. Um, you know, so I'm never going to stop. That's what we need. Somebody's got to do it, right? So, yeah, I just got to just try to keep rocking. I didn't do a whole lot last year, but I did do actually 16 events during COVID-16, which is more than anybody on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I say that, you know, humbly, <laughs> as I can. I doubt anybody did more than that during COVID. I'll just say that. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's been good. And hopefully I get this vibe back from Don Bostic and I could be working for the U.S. snowboard. Or I keep saying snowboarding. He was in charge of the snowboarding. I keep saying that. Actually, Bostic invented slope style. He invented so many different things. That, like, he was telling me that the Edmund thing, that he that slope style was invented in Mount Shasta, where I live. I'm like, what? He's telling me the whole story about how he saw the snowboarders during this, doing this certain thing on the mountain. He's like, well, it's kind of like street style skating, but it's slope style, you know? And then that totally caught on with whatever, and then being in the X Games and all that stuff. So yeah, it's pretty, it's interesting. And going to Vert Attack really changed my life too. This thing in, in Sweden, I went for like three years in a row. And all the heaviest guys in vert skating would go. And there's no prize money. It's just about like, just come and skate. But they get people from like 25 countries. Like every time they do it, it's crazy. You get all the best skaters in the world, or at least the majority of the best vert skaters on the planet will go to Vert Attack at least once in their career. Let's put it that way. Super cool. 
So that 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 was really fun. Hanging out with Bucky Lassick, treat me with so much respect, and hanging out with Mike Vallelli and Andy McDonald and Sandro Diaz and Rune Glyphberg and just all the heaviest like yeah. dudes that I could hang out with. Good times. Danny Way. I uh, I never met Danny Way. Never hmm. met Danny Way. Um, yeah, I never met Danny Way, unfortunately. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool to meet Danny Way. Yeah. <laughs> but no, never crossed paths with him. Never. Uh-uh. That's amazing that you got to go on so many trips, because you said you went 16 different countries skateboarding yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. And how do you hear about these events? Uh, no. However it is, I'm just connected with lots of X Game, whatever, gold, world champion, Guinness record holders. Like I was doing a lecture in Sweden, and the guy's leaving after the, the night. Uh, we did this whatever meditation and, and some other things and uh, my friend's like oh he's got a skateboard uh, hoodie on you know mm-hmm. and so I like ran up to him as he's going out the door we're at this place in the Maharishi Yogi he built this place uh, called the Ideal Village really beautiful place in Sweden where I was speaking anyway so I go up to the guy I'm like are you a skater? he's like yeah world champion <laughs> I'm like Will you take me to your skate park, please? <laughs> He's like, for sure, I will. Totally. Anyway, freestyle world champion, one of these guys, you know, on the flat ground, just mm-hmm. killing it. Rodney um, Mullen style. Yeah, and he's been friends with Rodney Shoot for decades. Um, anyway, so this is Stefan Lillis Ackeson is who I'm talking about, who is a former world champion in uh, uh, 2001, and just amazing skater. And he's still, what, he took like third place, I think, just at the Roundup in uh, Vancouver, just a f- whatever, last month against, you know, I think that's the second biggest freestyle contest in the world in Vancouver, the Roundup. And he's like at least, what is he, upper 50s? I think he's like two years older, maybe he's 57 or something. Took third place or whatever. It's just amazing that's what these guys are still yeah. doing. Like, But Japan's the new mecca for flat, for, for freestyle, like, oh my God. I've seen some What's videos. What's going on in Japan in the last like three, four years? Not just freestyle, but just everything skateboarding. Yeah, they're no, just taking, everything. No, true, true. They're no. taking over. No, they are. <laughs> but freestyle for sure, like blowing it, blowing it up. And big up to Gunter Moklis, the, what is he, 12-time world champion. Had him sleeping on my couch one time. That was rad. And yeah, I had like three world champions sleeping in my place one time in Shasta. That was pretty cool. So big up to Gunter and the freestyle masters. Lillis, Felix, um, can't remember everybody, but yeah, Felix and Gunter, yeah. The guys are just, I can't believe what they're still doing. Like Tony Alva, he was just at this event at the, you know, and he went and skated the Beeble Bowl, you know, big up to the to the Beebleheimers with Eric and Andrea. Andrea. Um, still 65 years old, just still shredding, 10 foot pool, no problem. Yeah, I'm at 27 and I get tired after skating for like two minutes, you know. <laughs> oh my God, I, I remember like... skating in Peru. I'm skating at Titicaca at this, at this park at 12,500 feet elevation, right? And, I, and, I, and I'm so excited and I'm like, man, this bull looks super mellow. It's really chill. I can I can attack this, you know. It wasn't too big and, and gnarly for me. And just get out of <laughs> breath I, a lot sooner. I, oh my God, bro. Like I took a super long run and then I was just, gasping at the end for like 30 seconds i couldn't get my breath i feel like bent over it's like (gasps) i'm just like you guys i can't like i was kind of tripping for a minute and the kids are like don't take such a long run like you can't do that yeah you gotta like kind of acclimate you know i was just way too fired up i almost passed out yeah it's funny i know sometimes when i go up to mount shasta i don't know how big of a difference from reading to mount shasta the elevation is but i've noticed i get a little more winded when i'm skating Mm -hmm. at the park there yeah i mean it's like 3,600 feet there, so maybe the park's at 37, maybe, yeah. No, it's pretty up there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the highest elevation I ever skated was, was in Titicaca. That was a rad park in Puno, right on Titicaca. 13,000, you said? It's like 12.5. 12, 12.5, yeah. 12, yeah. That's like skydiving level from... <laughs> yeah, I mean, all the hotels there have oxygen, like right in the lobby... And like, yeah, just so people can like rally. Uh, We do have to end this soon, though. Uh, Is there anything, any last words you want to say or anything else you want to bring up before we uh, end this? I just want to say thanks. 
appreciate you having me and yeah i got the barno bash coming up next month it'll be in eureka skate contest coming up and doing the crusty lurker in september in shasta so come up to shasta and check yeah. it out check it out that's right what's up you're a busy man <laughs> you love skateboarding for what it is and you're it seems like you're going to be doing it for forever yeah, yeah I, I won't stop this is a nash surfboard this one nash surfboard I used to ride this one, actually. It's a little thrashed right now. It's missing that bushing up front. And then the roller derby I just got off of eBay. I have to ride metal wheelboard if you've ever been a skateboarder. Yeah, this is Remember crazy. Remember Logan Marshall used to drop in on I'd bring him to contests and he would drop in and like... No way. My, you have to be careful because it washes out so quickly. Like you could just wash out and just... And with these... Break yeah, yourself off in the, a heartbeat. The trucks, the wheels are all metal. No bearings, no bushings. Well, yeah, it's like a, some kind of a closed bearing. I don't even know what they have in there. They oh, is it inside? I don't know. I think they so have something, something in there. They got it right. Right, but that's but no roller derby's old school. This that's is definitely history. one of the more old older boards for sure. I think the oldest skateboard I ever saw was like from the '30s though, which was like a a three wheel one that was custom made. Three wheels, um, two yeah, in the back. Yeah, just had one in the front and two in the back. Yeah, wow. yeah, it was more probably just made from some kind of a scooter of some kind. They make these little like box scooter ones or whatever, like homemade ones back in the forties. Doesn't even look like it has hardware. So how are these trucks even? Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know. I'm not even sure. Wow. But yeah, I gotta like the old school. Yeah, from metal wheels to clay to urethane. Thank God for Cadillac coming up with the urethane wheels, whatever that was, 1973, that changed the whole game. Then it was like, you know, because guys were skating pools even, whatever, like as early as like, I think 63 was probably the earliest that I've seen. Uh, uh, Herbie, uh, God, my brain's not working right now. But yeah, early early on was like, it was hard to stay on the walls. Of course, you know, but when your thing came, boom, it was like sticking to the wall. You yeah. can do little stuff up there and do, you know, slides or do edgers or catch a grind and not just wash out. Because you know on those, you're just washing out. So anyway, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, bro. Yeah, thanks for coming by. I love all the stories. I love to hear it. Yeah, um, I mean, come back someday. Yeah, come back. You're a local legend. We got, we didn't even scratch the surface with the, just your life stories, the adventures of... Yeah, we come back with some more overseas stuff would be cool. Yeah. You know, we can share some more it's, stuff about Stockholm and whatever, some different random stuff, Scotland or wherever, Germany. Get some good tales at the base of the Zugspitz or whatever, butt boarding again down these crazy hills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just so hard to fit everything in, but... Yeah, thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for coming. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, watching another episode of The Munch Gang. Make sure to check out Barno on what, where can they find you? Yeah, Mark Barno Knees on Facebook or yeah, Mark Knees. Uh, yeah, Barno, Mark Everywhere. Barno Knees on IG or on Facebook. Yeah. Follow him there, see what he's up to. Yep. All right, guys. Peace.